have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 28. We'll dig a little deeper into the story of Jacob. See if we can start seeing God's grace all around us. And today I want to speak about God's grace. It's so important that we understand and, and we realize that we're living in the age of grace. As a child of God, do you see grace all around you? I think sometimes it's easy for us to, uh, to uh, feel like we're out of his will or we've allowed sin to come into our life or, or we feel like we're in so much turmoil in our life that we've fallen out of God's grace. But there is a reason why it's called amazing grace. It's because it never fails. God's grace should remind us that there is nothing that we can do to make God love us less. I'm going to say that again. There is absolutely nothing you can do right now that will ever make God love you less. He loves you. He sent his son to die for you. His love will never fail. We know this because that sacrifice of his son on the cross is proof that he loves us no matter who we are. And God wants us to be like Christ, and his grace gives us the ability to grow in his love. And today, we're going to look at a low point in Jacob's life and really see the amazing grace of God. So let's read in Genesis chapter 28, starting with verse 10. The Bible says, And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran. And he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land where thou liest, I will give, uh, will I give thee it to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. And thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places where thou goest and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken of thee. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This uh, is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. But, it was, but the name of the city was called Lutz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow and said, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again into my father's house in peace, and shall, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone which I have 
set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give a tenth unto thee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, again for this day you've given us. And Father, I thank you for your grace. And Father, sometimes it's easy for us to forget just how special that is. This world and, and all its evil and, and the, the things we go through in life seems to steal that away sometimes, but it's there. You've never taken it away. But help us to see that now. As we go through our days, as things happen, as uh, situations change, as problems come up, as, as struggles happen, Lord, let us help us to see your grace. Father, I actually now, Lord, you bless the reading of your word, bless our study here therein, and help us to get the things that we need to help us to grow more and more like Christ. But also help us to understand that you love us with an amazing grace. Father, we love you we thank you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isaac and Rebecca had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. And their life was always a struggle, even in the womb. Even, even before they were born, they were battling. And, and Rebecca knew this. She could, she could feel it. She could feel the boys not getting along. And she worried, and she took it to the Lord. And in Genesis chapter 25, starting with verse 22, Bible says, and his children struggled together within her. And she said, if it be so, why am I thus? And she then inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb. Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one people shall be the stronger uh, than the other people. And the eldest shall serve the younger. God told her, he said, you have twins. And they're battling. And they're going to be battling. They're going to be contentious against each other uh, for all generations. He spoke about a personal battle. Uh, Isaac, the father, favored Esau. Rebekah favored Jacob. This was a, a, a house full of jealousy and tension. This was a bad uh, way to run a family. We spend most of our time in Missy trying not to show favoritism to any one child. We want them all to feel loved equally. But here it was different. Isaac had his favorite. Rebecca had her favorite. But it also speaks about a historical battle. Jacob is the father of the Israelites. And Esau is going to be the father of their enemy, the Edomites. Constantly warring against each other. It also speaks about a spiritual battle. Esau was the oldest. He came out of the womb first. He should be the firstborn. He should receive the blessing. And that's what, that's what uh, Isaac wants to do. He wants to give Esau the blessing. But we see when he came out, the, when Esau came out, Jacob was holding on to his heel. But since Esau came first, he was to receive the blessing. But God informed him that the, young, the eldest would serve the youngest. So God had already chosen Jacob to be his chosen one to receive the blessing. That's in God's infinite wisdom that Jacob was going to be the next in line from his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham. And this line would lead to the birth of the Messiah. We read in our text that your seed will bless all the nations of the world. Why? Because Jesus is coming through that line. And this is a picture also of the battles that believers have, the struggle that we have between our old nature 
in our new nature. But here in chapter 28, the brothers are grown. Isaac uh, rejected God and wanted to give the blessing to Esau. But Rebekah and Jacob come up with an idea to lie and to deceive his father into giving him the blessing. Jacob, I mean, uh, Isaac was old and feeble and blind. And Jacob pretended to be Esau and received the blessing. Now, God wanted Jacob to be the, receive the blessing, and God would have worked it out his way, but it, this way of lying and deceiving was not God's way. How often, how often do we see what needs to be done, and we take it into our own hands to do it our way, and not realizing that God has already worked things out if we would just rest and wait and listen to God? But Esau was greatly offended and hated Jacob and wanted him dead. And Rebekah sent her son away and said, Go, run for your life. And here he is, out in the wilderness, alone, frightened, miserable. So to see God's grace, first of all, we need to see the agony of our sin. Look at verses 10 and 11 again. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for pillow, pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. How miserable. There's a whole lot in these two verses right here. Jacob is running. He's run, as long as the sun's out, he can see where he's going. He's running, trying to get as far away from Esau as he can. As soon as the sun goes down, he can't see. He might be able to light a torch or something, but he don't want to do that because he don't want to show anybody where he's at. So here he is in the darkness alone, nothing with him. He, he takes the, the rocks and lays them out so he can lay on them for a pillow. It gives us a little look at, at the pain of our, that our sin can cause. Jacob knew what he'd done was wrong. He lied to his father. He, he cheated his brother out of what his, his brother should have had. But if you want to get a better look at God's grace, then you need to study the destructive power that sin has in your life. Jacob was alone. The only comfort he had was a rock to rest his head. He was broken. He had broken all the relationships that God had given him, the relationship with his father and his mother and his brother. Jacob's sin broke his father's heart. It brought great fear upon his mother and put a hatred in his brother, brother's heart that would carry from generation to generation to generation. Sin kills. Sin destroys. Sin blinds us to what we need to see. And Jacob's sin brought all this, all this trouble. But God's grace is greater than our sin. That's the message today. I should close the book right now and just tell you that. God's grace is greater than our sin. Romans 5.20 says, uh, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might uh, abound, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. No matter how much sin there is in the world, there is enough grace of God to cover all of that. God's grace is able to rescue us from the pain of sin. There may, there may still be consequences in our life, but God's grace will save us from the pain of sin. And Jacob learned this in the desert. I pray you learned this too. But how can we see God's grace? By looking at the pain that sin causes, and second, to look at the gift of our Savior. Look at 12 and 13. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up to earth, 
and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and, of, and the God of Isaac, and the land where thou liest, to thee will I give it, uh, and to thy seed. The Lord revealed himself to uh, Jacob in a dream. Jacob learned that, he, that, that, God, that the God of Abraham and Isaac was also his God. See, Jacob knew of God. I'm pretty sure growing up he heard the stories. He heard the stories about his grandfather Abraham and, and how God blessed him in so many ways and, and the different things that happened. And He's probably heard that story a, a million times about how Abraham took his father Isaac up on the mountain and was going to sacrifice him, and God provided a sacrifice. He's probably heard that many times. He knew of God, and he knew it was the God of his father Isaac, and he knew it was the God of his grandfather Abraham, but he didn't really know it was his God until now. He didn't know him personally. And salvation and grace only comes when we know God personally. Listen, it's not enough for your parents to be saved or your grandparents. It's not enough to join a church. You have to have a personal relationship with God. There had to be a one-on-one -on -one talk between you and the Savior when you said, I know who you are. I know why you came and died, and you came and died for me, and I want to get the forgiveness of sin that you offer. And Jesus comes into your heart. It has to be a connection that you make personally with him. And here God is making that personal connection with Jacob in a dream. Despite of his sins, despite of all the destruction he's caused, despite doing things that God wanted done in a way he wanted them, instead of waiting for God to take care of them, God showed Jacob his amazing grace. God's not watching to see if we fail. He's watching us because he loves us. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing when you, we can wrap our heads around this idea that, that all this world, all this universe, everything that was created was created for us to see, for, for us, because we belong to him. Because he created, created everything to please us, because he loves us. His grace surrounds us so that we are able to get back up when sin knocks us down. God's grace provides a way to repent of our sins and to be restored into God's will. Even after Jacob had done all that he had done, it didn't change God's love for him. No one knows us like God. And believers don't have to live in the pain of sin. In Hebrews chapter 4, we get a wonderful picture of Jesus here. Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14, says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession of faith. Let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of what? Grace that we may obtain mercy and we may find grace to help in time of need. Jesus knows what we've gone through. He suffered on this world. He was tempted in all ways, but he didn't sin. He was perfect. But he knows that us not being perfect, he knows how we suffer. 
and he provides grace. We can go to the throne of grace. We go to the throne of grace for God to forgive, to restore, and to heal. For God to show us that no matter what you are, no matter what you've done, I offer you grace. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, nobody needed more grace than me growing up. Praise God. The Son of God uh, represented here in the ladder. This ladder here that Jacob seen, he didn't really know it. He probably didn't understand it. But he always saw was that there was a go-between. There was something. In the great separation between heaven and earth, he saw a ladder. But as believers, we know in this great separation between us and God, we see Jesus, the man, the God, Jesus, who came to this world to, to be our go-between, to help us to understand. Jesus said it too. In John 1.51, he says, And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He was telling them Jewish people who was listening to this, he said, Did you have a ladder that Jacob saw? That was me. I am the ladder. And that's not true. I am the way to heaven. I am the reason blessings are come down. I am the reason you have forgiveness of sin. I am the reason that one day you will die and you'll go and be with God in heaven it's because I am the way, the truth, and the life. Despite of our sins, God saved us by his grace. Despite of Jacob's sin, God gave him the promise that he gave to his father and his grandfather. God could have came to him and said, you messed up. This was a done deal. I already told your mother that the youngest, that the oldest would serve the youngest. I already told her that. It was going to happen. You didn't have to lie. You didn't have to deceive. But God didn't tell him that, did he? God gave him what? Grace. Jacob didn't do anything to earn the promises. God built the ladder. Jacob didn't build it. God set it up. God sent his only son. God accepts the sacrifice of his son. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's not about anything except about God. His love, his grace, and his mercy. Jacob wasn't trying to seek God. He was running for his life. But God was there seeking Jacob. I love that. No matter where we go, no matter what we're doing, no matter what we're looking for in life, God is right there seeking us. All these people out here who are trying to find hope, trying to find love, trying to find happiness, and they're drowning in God's grace and don't even see it. If they could just open their eyes and see a God who created everything, who loves them enough to send their son to die for him, they would just surround themselves in that grace of God and understand the joy that he gives, the burden of sin he takes away. But they can't see it. Jesus is a mystery to the world. They don't understand. And this should be our view of the lost. That they're not seeking God, but God is seeking them. And as his church, we should be seeking to tell them about God's grace, about his son Jesus, if they just see his grace. I speak about Crowder all the time, because I love that song, Oh, How He Loves Us. And he talks about it, and he says, His grace is an ocean, and I'm sinking. But God's blessings, the protection, His presence, doesn't mean that we won't have troubles in our life. And Jacob faced a lot of troubles. This is not, you don't think that Jacob met God here, and all of a sudden his life is going to be perfect. No, he's about to run into an uncle that's more crooked than he is, who tricks him into working for him for 20 years. He becomes crippled. His wife, Rachel, dies. 
And he has to deal with sons that tricked him more than he tricked his own father. His sons convinced him that his youngest son was dead. But with God, his life kept getting better and better and better and better. Why? Because you put your trust in him. And with Jesus, our life is the same. No matter what we face here, no matter what each day brings, it's going to get better one day because one day we will be made perfect and be in his presence. It's impossible to explain heaven in a way that will do it justice, but God's amazing grace is just a taste of what heaven is like. I had an opportunity to talk to a young man this past week, and one thing that really cut me to the core was that uh, he wanted to know if God was mad at him. And it took me a few days to, to wrap my head around that statement. And a few days later, I'm sitting there at the house, and, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, and I'll tell you, I was actually, I was in the, I was in the parking garage at Roanoke Memorial. It's about 3 o'clock in the morning I'm sitting there. And it suddenly just kind of hit me that he can't see God's grace. His life is, has become so that he is so consumed by what's happening to him, by, by the pain and by the suffering and, and by, by the, the things of this world that's happened to him, that he can't see God's grace. He, he's lost sight of the fact that, that God loves him above everything, that God has a plan for him that, that he, I can't even begin to explain to him how wonderful it's going to be. How can we see the greatness of God's grace? Simply look at the treasures he gives us in Jesus Christ. So how do we see God's grace? First of all, we understand our sin problem. And then we see the gift of the Savior. But then finally, we look at how salvation changes us. Jacob's life is transformed when God reveals himself. Look at uh, 16 and 17. And Jacob waked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. He thought he was at the house of God because that's where God spoke to him. I was sitting there thinking about that, and I think, Man, this has been a great revelation. Here it was, just a barren wilderness with rocks for a, for a pillow, and all of a sudden now it's the house of God. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, wherever I go, we're in the house of God because we're the temple of the living God. So wherever we are, God's with us. We're in his presence. It is his temple. It is his house. And we're to live for him. Jacob's eyes were open and God was with him and he didn't even know it. And how many times has this happened to us where we feel like we're broken and alone, but then God reveals himself to us in some way and we see that he was always there to begin with. We lose sight of him all so often. It is so easy. And it takes nothing. One little problem, all of a sudden, oh, woe is me. Why is this happening to me? Uh, why do I deserve this to happen? Why, why, why? When we should say, God is with me through this. God will see me through. Whatever I'm going through now, God's grace is sufficient for me. Grace opened Jacob's heart to the presence of God. And if you take only one thing away from this sermon, know you are never alone. Allow his grace to reveal that God will never leave you. God has revealed his presence to us by his word. 
by his spirit and by the cross of Jesus Christ. It also turned Jacob from trouble to triumph. Look at verse 18. And Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon it. This is amazing. The symbol of Jacob's failure, the symbol of his sin, the stone he had to use for a pillow is now the symbol of his faith. The same is for us. If you're saved today, the cross is not just a symbol of our sins that Jesus had to die for. It is a symbol of our salvation because he's not there. They put him in a tomb. He didn't stay there. That's the goal. That's the understanding of knowing that we serve a living God. Jacob still had a long way to go. But that night, God's grace began to transform his life. And all believers have been given his grace to transform us. We are not sinners running after, after, we're not sinners running after sin anymore. We're sinners running away from sin. And that's it. Jacob was transformed by God's grace. Let me ask you, has his grace touched your life? Are you allowing grace to move you closer to God, closer to his will in your life? God spoke to Jacob in a dream, but he is speaking to us by his word, by his Holy Spirit. Allow the grace of Christ to transform your life. And stop feeling alone and unloved. And see and feel God's amazing grace. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you're here today and you're saved, praise God. But if you're here today and you don't know if you're saved, you can know. God doesn't want you to go through life wondering what's going to happen. <coughs> he don't want you to go through life and think, well, I don't know what's going to happen at the end. I'm just, I'm just hoping everything works out. He don't want that. He wants you to understand that his grace is sufficient and his, his uh, son died for the sins of the world and a personal relationship with him can change you from a sinner to a sinner saved by grace. But if you're here today and you've lost sight of uh, God's grace, if there's something going on in your life that's blocking out that God loves you, if you spend all your time wondering why, instead of thanking God for being with you through your troubles, now may be the time to change that. Because where sin abounds, grace does abound more. His grace can cover everything. can fill our hearts with the love that we need. Church, we're not going to be a, a testimony for him. We're not going to be a witness for him until we realize that we're living in his grace. Well, that song say that we sung a little while ago, it's the air that I breathe. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come before you this morning, Father, and ask, Lord,